yeah. I love my HBCU. And Bob? I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot. Yeah. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, and pay attention, boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Cavill with Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Coming to you Thanksgiving weekend, so just a heads up, we'll be probably running a playback on Thursday. We might surprise you with a little something, but more than likely we'll do a playback. We'll probably go rewind to the beginning of the season, and when we're discussing the pronostications to see where everybody stood and kind of give a rewind, rewind to everybody and see just how brilliant uh, Charles Bishop was. <laughs> uh, and, and we'll leave it like that, you know, make sure his head don't get too big. But, you know, we're just saying, just saying. Some people get lucky sometimes. But we'll do it like that. This is Dr. Cavill inside the HBC Sports Lab. Of episode 210 of Inside the HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast, the show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBC sports. From institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics, and facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs and the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-hosts, Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live case wave 1230 a.m. Studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper, in a beautiful home at Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. With that, let me go back to Charles. He already did the cigar life. Uh, shout out this past Sunday if you were on there. You know, he, he's living the good life right now. Like, this I, and I just keep well. it close. Yeah, I, I do keep it close here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Slowburnswaco.com. Slowburnswaco.com. They make sure they lace us. And right now, they doing really well with the business between Jackson State and Prairie View. Oh, what did I just say that? News of the day, we have our SWAT championship game aligned. As you heard by that, it will feature Jackson State uh, University uh, getting it done against Prairie View A&M University. A Prairie View does have a final game with Mississippi Valley this weekend, but due to Jackson State defeating, defeating Alcorn State, uh, Prairie View has locked up the Western Division, so that will be your championship match. Uh, that should be interesting as things move forward. Anything you have to say early about that matchup? I know we'll get into it next weekend as appropriately, but uh, mm -hmm. any early buzz or thoughts process? I can say I understand that the ticket master went down Monday morning between <laughs> Prairie and Jackson folks trying to get tickets. Uh, I had folks texting me everywhere. What's the problem? Did they buy out all the tickets? You know, y'all. I have been known now with these 50, 60,000 folks in the crowd. You had some Prairie folks really nervous. Like, did they buy the tickets? 
Nico was trying to sign on five minutes before it went on. I, I text Ashley. I text the, the <laughs> commissioner, Dr. Charles McCullough. I text uh, Dr. Donald Reed at Prairie View. And um, literally about 10 minutes, five minutes later, they had it updated. But I thought that was some big news, just how people are intrigued about this. What about what do you say? Yeah, I mean, uh, tickets went on sale early uh, yesterday, uh, and they'll be on sale uh, Monday and uh, Tuesday this week. But already there's a buzz uh, for this SWAG championship game. First time it's being played uh, in Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium. And this Jackson State fan base, they are in a true lather uh, for this football team. I tell you what, it's, it's going to be a phenomenal experience. Uh, December 4th for Jackson State and Prairie View. Uh, looking forward to those Prairie View Panthers coming on into Jackson and and and, and getting this uh, SWAC championship game on. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, I think I told you, Dr. Bill, back midway through the season when I saw Prairie View against Pine Bluff, uh, I knew then they were going to be a problem. Uh, they are a, a fast defense. They are uh, offensively explosive. Uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for this Jackson State Tiger uh, defense, but I'm looking forward to it. I think we're going to get us a tremendous swag championship game. And to your credit, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a, a tremendous matchup. I know a lot of folks are in between Jackson State and Family, rightfully so. That rivalry is heating up uh, like it has done when they <laughs> played for a semifinal championship FCS. Obviously, historians will go way past that with a championship back in the 50s. Uh, black college championships. Um, so, yeah, a lot of history there, deservedly so. But to your credit, you said this in a lot of ways uh, early on. You had a chance, excuse me, there, you had a chance uh, off weekend, just happened to be when Prairie was playing that Thursday night game uh, against Pimbla. And you saw the team and you were thoroughly engaged in the matchup. Other folks were matched up, but in the suite, as we say it, so a lot of folks were doing uh, the sweet things, but you were right there. And as it went down, you was like, hey, I'm getting on back. I said, what you think? He said, oh, yeah, they're they, they going to be all right. They'll, they'll be yeah. at the end. They'll be in there. So to your credit, you in some ways almost called both of these after you got in there. Now we got Mike all situated. We'll jump him in there. I see. I like it. We have JSU representation, Jackson State. We have PVAMU, Prairie University representation with Mike. We just jumped off really talking about the official announcement of Saturday, December 4th, Prairie A&M Western Division champs, Jackson State Eastern Division champs in terms of the SWAT formation. Obviously, we'll get into really some detailed talk next week, but just gave you a chance maybe to kind of general give your general thoughts on that matchup, Mike. Well, I think it's really exciting. You've seen a lot of stuff going across the uh... – <laughs> the blast waves, the airwaves between CB and some of the uh, various PB alumni. But I think it's a exciting for the SWAC. I think you get to see uh, two defenses going head-to-head -head against each other, despite what's happening at the ticket office. But we won't say anything about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, think some, I think some home cooking happened right there. So... Uh, needless to say, I think Panther Nation will descend upon Jackson. Uh, mm. You look for that. You look for several. You look. You you look for several battles. You look for that Juwan Pashador Sanders battle. You look for the defense against defense battle. So you, there, there's a lot of micro battles that are all you know. You're already looking forward to, and of course, Prairie View has Mississippi Valley, so we can't overlook that. But um, I think Prairie View is is up for the challenge. They're ready for it. They spoke to it three weeks ago. 
they they spoke it into an existence. So I think they're ready. So I look forward to it. Last thing I'll say here, um, those that have their institutions and you have some people that are intrigued about representing their institutions like we do with 1876 sports and culture with the pregame, you might want to hit up Roy at my BCSN. I'm just saying the two programs that cover the institutions, they found their way in the championship game. And you got fam talk about participating in, in the FCS playoffs and you got ONG strike zone. So it's intriguing about that. You know, obviously maybe it's just a little blessing in disguise, but thought I'd point it out there. With that being said, I wanted to give some love as we are talk about the legendary Ralph Cooper. Jimmy reminds us that uh, Ralph Cooper called this back out in terms of this specific matchup. Back in September, he said Jackson State and Prairie in the championship game. So he picked both sides from the beginning, credit to him uh, in a lot of ways. With that, let me go back in here. We talk about Florida A&M selected to participate in the 2021 FCS playoffs. I want to give you a chance both to talk about that. Before we do that, I do want to shout out to the lab listeners out here. They get it going on. Ricky Burton, Amos Fawcett is in the house. Shout out to Amos. We got a good little dialogue going on in Facebook. He's asking some great questions there uh, as we do it and make sure that we provide some talk about what do we think about HBCU programs, particularly at the East, uh, FCS level. Wendell Davis, Michael Ford is on here. Chad Cooper bringing in the house. Michael Lee, he says prayers for Coach Sanders. Go PVAMU. Uh, he can't get over that bribery. <laughs> I love it, though. We'll take it. <laughs> Jimmy Wilson says happy birthday for those uh, that he is speaking to. Uh, Willie Alex Hine, Karen Griffin is always in the house. Alan Malone, G. Boom Holly doing his thing. Lonnie Shaw is in the house as always. James Knox, A.D. Drew is in the building. Lawrence D. White, Jamie Walker, as he does the thing. Dr. Roderick Holmes, he told me earlier that he'd be listening in. He's excited about what's going on. Had some good conversation before you get in here. Do we have, is that Neely? Christopher Darrell? Who's that in the house? James Knox. Gabe Lewis <laughs> is in the house. His son, shout out to his son. His offensive line for Prairie View A&M University. I'll be spotlighting that matchup. That will be interesting uh, as he's been getting down. Uh, look for him to be on first team, all swag, certainly second team. I'm intrigued to see what uh, he gets done. He's a road grader. He gets it done in a lot of ways. Call Moore uh, on the, in the house. Chris Tucker, Roy, uh, as always, the extraordinaire. Talking about what about the Lady Rattlers and Swag Championship Volleyball? Yes, we Roy, gonna get we're we going to get, sure get there. there. Yeah. We, got, we got the first 15, but since you did that, <laughs> shout out to the Rattlers defeating Jackson State. They officially are members of the SWAC now. They've earned their first SWAC championship, and it is in the sport of volleyball. Classic matchup. These two teams I told you going into the weekend, one of the ones that I had my eyes on, they split in the regular season. Fam, you came into conference race uh, getting some non-conference big wins. Jackson State, though, literally striked down the Fam you Rattlers in their first matchup at home. Uh, then late in the season, the Rattlers struck back and got a little payback. And it was blessings in a lot of ways that when you got to watch this game, that it would go five set. Fam, you struck first in the first set. 
Jackson State bounced back and ended up getting the next two. Fourth set, fam, you got it going on. You knew it was a classic because in that second match, it went actually to extra points. Got to win, but two because you're supposed to go to 25. Obviously, in the fifth match, it only goes to 15. Uh, fam, you was able to jump out there early. Jackson State fought back, but because of that early need, they couldn't get past that two-point deficit. And fam, you was able to get to 15 first. And the rest is history as they will go in the books going down. Want to give some love to the women in terms of the MEAC. Howard got it done against Delaware. Um, they um, were tied regular season, but Howard really empowered them. They were at home. I'm sure that home court advantage did it in for them. Uh, but I wanted to get your thoughts uh, before we go to this first break. I'll start with you, Charles, in terms of FAMU going into the 21 playoffs. I tried to tell everybody very early on. I have my sources. I understood the work that was going on in the backdrop. FAMU did what they needed to do on the field, coaching-wise. But there were power brokers that made sure that they were going to get a shot, which was important. Things certainly broke their way. They made it real easy. And you could tell even from the broadcast that um, it was meant to be in a lot of ways. But kudos. This is a statement for the SWAC, just in my opinion. But let me go to you, Charles, and get your opinion on FAMU in the FCS playoffs first round against uh, Southeastern Louisiana. And congratulations to Florida a and uh, being selected into the uh, uh, FCS playoffs. Uh, testament to Coach Willie Simmons and his program uh, down there at Tallahassee. And, and, you know, you can't say enough about it. They, they did what they had to do. A-game winning streak. They took care of business. But I think they've laid out a blueprint uh, for future, uh, for the future in terms of teams uh, looking to be get to the playoffs uh, if they're not you know, uh, going to be in the mix there for the celebration bowl to lay out that case soon enough so people start talking about it and people make sure that they're watching it. And they did what they had to do on the field. So you take your hats off to that Florida a uh program, tremendous defense, number one defense in the nation. It will be a, an exciting matchup this upcoming Saturday going against the number one of the top offenses in the nation, uh, Cole Kelly for Southeast. He is the number one quarterback. He's thrown for over 4,300 yards this, this past season. So, And then you have the Isaiah Land. This is going to be a battle of, of, of strengths, if you will. This Florida A&M defense, uh, they're impressive. So we'll get an opportunity to see can Florida A&M make an impressive showing, not just for Florida A&M, but for the Southwestern Athletic Conference for HBCU football. Mike, want to get your thoughts. Obviously, fam, you for the historians out there won the inaugural at that time, one double A playoff in 1978, getting it done. They'll play to get the second shot in terms of what we now call the FCS playoffs. As we said, Southeastern Louisiana Lions in Hammond, Louisiana, Saturday, November 27th at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. The game will be on ESPN Plus. Mike, what are your thoughts? Oh, I'd like to just piggy bank on what CB said. I mean, you have a tremendous hats off to, you know, Coach Simmons and the entire, you know, Rattler Nation. I'm not going to say Rattler too many times in this program. I'm just going to say that. So, but con- con- congratulations to them. Um, they have set the blueprint. I think the important thing is this is a win not just for FAMU, but this is something for the SWAC. This has laid the blueprint. This has laid, you know, the, the further confer, for the line, laid the line, and the pre- set the precedence for further consideration in the future. So, um, congratulations, Fam. I think uh, what is it? Is it the first time that Fam or any other team has made it this 
fam has made it here since what 1996 97 i don't want to get my numbers off but first first sweat team that's gone to the playoffs since uh jack state 1997 that's right so mm-hmm. hats off but this is this is a bigger win to me, this is a this is a win for the SWAC. So uh, I look forward. They're they're facing a tough team. I look for a tough battle. Uh, this team went tit tit for tat against University Incarnate Word, I believe. Lost by two or three points during the regular season. Both teams have high powered offenses. So FAMU eight game winning streak. Strong, strong, strong defense. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I think FAMU has a very very good chance for a strong showing here. Great points made by both. Shout out to Fayetteville State. Win second straight CIAA Volleyball Championship. Want to make sure we share them some love. Before we go to this break, Michael Ford says, could a team who wins the East-West not play in any slack championship game and play in the playoffs? The answer to that is no. Um, they are contractually obligated to play in the slack championship game, and that's beside the point in terms of the financial windfall. I think it's important to talk about this. Jackson State for you all don't realize this, you cannot play sports without the financial revenue associated with it. Jackson State will get $2 million in terms of ticket sales alone to host this championship game. The previous years, Alcorn, uh, their two straight years at home, they did a million dollars. Now imagine what that does to the community involved and how that now helps the community folks come back and support your institution. When you talk about the power brokers out there, there's a reason why they play in these bowl games. There's a reason why they play at home in their stadiums and not look at the playoffs where you got to pay money to play. Until the playoff changes where it's financially beneficial, it makes absolutely no sense for any institutions, particularly SWAC, because they have options not to play in it. And this doesn't even talk about the celebration bowl where you get a million dollars. So to think that you're going to forego that just for the playoffs um, does not make any economic financial sense. And if you're running a business, you're not going to do it. So I really think it's irresponsible and really downright disrespectful in a lot of ways for folks to put that out there without at least doing the homework. But if you're asking that just because you don't know, hopefully I've given you some information so you know that. Let's get into a break. This is Dr. Bills inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watch and Charles Bishop. We'll be right back after this break.
From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service with Slowburn. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. It's more than a mobile lounge. It's an environment and an experience rich in history, luxury, and personality. An elegant extension of any celebration occasion. It's the perfect escape and meeting place. A space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion. Have Slowburn plan your next big event or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rival, you can shop our collections at www.slowburnwaco.com. But if they want to tap, uh, I'm going to do the dab, yeah. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who's about, who's about. So listen to Professor uh, Yes Sir yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Lil with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Before we get into the poll, I did want to set out, shout out to my FAMU alumni, Byron Gautier, previous president of Alpha Eta Lambda. Sorry I couldn't get out there with you to celebrate the uh, family day of the chapter. On Friday, I got into some uh, shenanigans in terms of taking care of my son there, uh, all seriousness. But I did want to shout out, he says that FAMU was in the playoffs, which is correct. Roy mentioned that in 2001. Notice Charles said in terms of the swag. Now you level set in terms of the swag. You set the new trend in terms of coming in 2021. At that time, FAMU was still part of the MEAC. But, yes, in terms of FAMU, they were in the playoffs in 2000. And one, in terms of SWAC, it goes back to 1998. With that being said, I think AD has some points, and we'll bring that up. What was AD asking a question on? Well, he, he wanted, oh, he wanted yeah, you to talk about the, the cultural side uh, uh, of the playoffs versus the Celebration Bowl. And somehow we have a lot of our HBCU fans think that playing in the Celebration Bowl is somehow settling for less than the playoffs. So we wanted to make sure that you touched on that in particular. Man, y'all don't want me to go there again. I told yeah. y'all that's the that, – please, please go there. Just because we have, we have folks that are not culturally aware, to be frank with you. I talked about those that look into perceptions of being – the proximity to whiteness, that's what that is. You all may not want to term it that, uh, but in no world does it exist where you have an opportunity to make millions of dollars for your institution. Are you going to turn that down because somebody else tells you that there's a better value in something else? Even when the institutions that participate in the 1AA playoffs or the FCS, every opportunity they have a chance to get away from it, they move up to the FBS vision where they know they're not going to play for a top four playoff or even 12 when they explain it they're playing for the bowls because they know there's more revenue associated with their institution which is what drives college athletics the ability to have revenue such that you can compete at a high level and lower the expenses to your students so anybody that has any grain of salt about the business sports it's not even close. The historically white colleges that you 
claiming the chase in these playoffs, they don't even believe in the playoffs. They have no other choice. They have been quoted as telling you if they had the option of a heritage vote, now a celebration vote with a million dollars, they would chase. In fact, we just seen conference churning where you have two of the three teams in the playoffs that have chosen to move up. James Madison is moving to the FBS. This has nothing to do with culture. This has to do with ignorance. People do not understand the business sport. And I have to be blunt like this, but this is what I do in my class lecture. I tell my students straight up so they understand the business sport. Because you know what happens if they come in there with that craziness? They're going to get fired in the business. Sam Houston State, they just won a FCS championship moving to the FBS level. Jacksonville State, they won a championship or uh, played for a championship a couple of years ago. That switch conferences because things weren't going right. Right. Before they could even play a good season in the A Sun, because it's right now a mix AQ7, they are moving to the FBS level. It's the revenue associated with being at the highest level as possible. Stop being insulting and study the business of sport and quit belittling the opportunity that your institutions have to make revenue because you're really simply showing your ignorance. I can't mm. get any plainer than that. Yep. The Bulls and Bulldogs remain number one for the fourth straight week. I won't bore you with the entire poll because it did not change this week. We'll get into the fact that Bowie State won in the playoffs and Albany State did not. We did talk about that a little bit Saturday. We will talk about the matchup this week. I did want to get a little bit into the major division top 10 poll rankings. There were some slight changes there, so I think it's important to jump in that poll. So let's bring up the FCS major division poll rankings for week number 12. Jackson State getting uh, the eighth straight week as they get it done. Going in at number one is none other than North Carolina and T State Aggies. They fall three spots. They're able to stay in the poll. Delaware State falls out. But A&T, although they lost last week, five and six, three and four, they stay in the poll along with number nine, Hampton Pirates, five and six and three and four, 25 points. I think both of them would admit that they had disappointing uh, seasons in the Big South, A&T, especially for their inaugural season. Hampton Pirates may felt that they've gotten a little better this time, uh, but it was tough losing to two teams that were – um, had losing records in terms of the poll. So you think you have a chance to get a winning record closing out the season, which is a nice statement. It was not to be, but they are in uh, in the poll at 9-10. And number eight, Norfolk State Spartans closed with three straight losses. They got as mm. high as top four in the poll rankings. They closed out the season with three straight losses. Disappointing a lot of ways, six and five, two and three. Not ranked, but they do jump back in the polls because uh, Delaware State falls out. At number seven, Auckland State Braves are six and five, five and three, 53 points. Uh, dropped two spots up and down season. I think the long roll, uh, all the roll games really at some point caught up with them, but they played with the harder champions. They did give Prairie that ends up winning the West at loss, so that's a statement in itself. Mm-hmm. At number six, North Carolina Central Eagles finished at six and five, four and one. 60 points. This is a team that's intriguing to me in terms of where they found the season. They kind of went up and down. Obviously had the big win in the Celebration Bowl, so they find themselves ranked ahead of Auburn State. 
had some tough losses, but they finished the me at four and one and uh, South Carolina loss that was right there for them. They could have been back in the celebration bowl. So intriguing to see how that goes next year moving forward. And number five, you get to those South Carolina State Bulldogs, six and five, five and oh, they really fought out of the hole starting the season with a tough schedule, uh, losing to uh, FAMU, Alabama A&M to kick off the season, starting out uh, OFA, but they rebound and win uh, the conference going undefeated in MEAC play six and five overall. They move up three spots. The number four, Privy A&M, seven and three and six and, six and one, 96 points losing to Texas A&M. They dropped one spot at number three, Alabama A&M Bulldogs. They close out the season really strong, 73-5-3-9-9, uh, fourth place. I wonder if they started talking about the playoffs early and if they could have found out and not had that real upset loss to Grambling, would they have had a fighting chance at 8-2, not playing the 11th game, probably really hurt them. And number two, Florida a and Rattlers, 9-2-7-1, one first place vote for 118 points, giving you the number one Jackson State. They continue to get it done seven straight weeks. They've gotten that number one spot, and they do not seem to want to let it go. 10-1, 8-0, 12 first place, 129 points, but they will play uh, the West champion. It becomes a win-all matchup. It should be fascinating to see. Going to you, Mike, Professor Washington, what are your thoughts in terms of the top 10 poll rankings in week number 12? Couple, couple of games, week 12. Here we are. We started in week one. Which side of the conference had the best three teams? Looks like, <laughs> looks like, looks like who played it out? Jackson State, FAMU, Alabama A&M. Although I disagree with the Alabama A&M ranking above Prairie View, you still have the SWAC championship champion, Alabama A&M, a three-touchdown favor over UAPB. I, I get it. PV lost big time to Texas A&M. I, I still think that your SWAC West champion is your number three team. They still have the third or fourth best team in the D, in the SWAC. So pound for pound, if you compare them, I still think Prairie View meets the eye test and is the better team. It should be still ranked number three. That's just me. Um, I get it. I understand how the rankings go. Other than that, I, I just find it fascinating, Doc, when you gave us that homework assignment and how it's shaken out. you got Jackson State, FAMU. And Alabama and m some people, a lot of people picked those three, but in a different order. Um, and then some of the people had picked UAPB <laughs> and Prairie View and, uh, and uh, Alcorn to be the best three. So it's just interesting how that 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 homework assignment has made its way here into week 12. Mm. Yeah, certainly in the poll. I like the way you put that out there. Good job, Professor Washington. Professor Bishop, what do you have to say about the top 10 poll ranking? Has the balance of power in the Southwestern Athletic Conference finally shifted to the SWAC East? Uh, when you take a look at Jackson State, Florida A&M, and Alabama A&M, one, two, three in the polls. I think, Mike, I think you make a valid argument. I think I, I probably would have had Prairie probably sitting there at three and maybe Alabama A&M under them. But, again, it speaks to the strength of, of the SWAC East this past season uh, with these three teams. And for how long have we taken a look at it? I, I was telling somebody today, uh, this is a, such a cyclical deal uh, the SWAC West for quite some time. Uh, the top, I would argue that probably the top three teams out of, out of four in the SWAC were over there in the SWAC West. When you're talking about Grambling Southern and Prairie View, I think uh, Dr. Bill, you mentioned Prairie View since 2010 had one of the winningest records in, in the SWAC uh, uh, with the number of wins that they've had. So uh, the question for me becomes, has the SWAC East wrestled away that, that, that 
that that mantle from the swag west in terms of perception. Yep. Charles, go ahead, Mike. You want to jump in there and say a piece about that before we go to this break? No, I would just I would just say very my points exactly. Has has the Swackies come in and taken that mantle from the Swack West, which was arguably tops for a while? I did you did you expect FAMU and and Bethune or especially FAM to make that much of an impact? Did you expect even Alabama A and M going to spring, coming to the fall to make that big of a splash? So it would appear that the balance of power has at least temporarily shifted. The the question I have is now what does this do for recruiting? Oh, yeah, that's be fascinating early December and certainly in February. I will say this as we go to the break. In year number one, or should I say 101, it certainly has shifted to the east. What's be fascinating to see over the next couple of years, does it maintain its character in the east, or do we see some level set and shift back to the west, or will it just float in between? This is Dr. Ville's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. We'll be right back, second half of the show, get into the break. Mike, sneak in and give you an update on the marching sport poll since you'll be doing some turkey diving on Thursday. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Carlos Brown letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net. And on the BCSN app available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who's about, about. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside HBCU Sports Lab. Great chatter as we go into Turkey Day weekend. And we will get into some of that Turkey Day classic. Turn on your TV on Thursday. You got Alabama State and Tuskegee. Those that want to get in a little mix before they watch some of the maybe the professional games for the night capital and get into some NBA action. You will see that on Turkey Day. You got the college HBCU game, and then you got the Bayou Classic. Yes, it's not for the Marvels this year, but still a lot on the line. You got that Prairie View, Mississippi Valley matchup as well as FAMU against Southeastern Louisiana should be fascinating matchups. And let's not forget, you have uh, Bowie State Bulldogs in the second round of the playoffs as they con- 
keep it going as they pretty much have locked up the mid-major rankings there. With that being said, let me sneak this in there. I do want to get in the band rankings. There's some changes this week in terms of this. So let me just jump in there. Number 10, you have the South Carolina State Marching 101. They moved to 3-1 and one and jumped into the poll. A&T falls out because of what South Carolina State was able to do. Um, this may set up a matchup in the Celebration Bowl. We'll see what that means in terms of some of these programs. At number nine, you have Alcorn State falling one spot as they lost to Jackson State. Some people said that the sound of dynamite made it interesting now. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Number eight, Prairie A&M, the Marching Storms is sitting on the sideline. Luckily, they have a matchup with Jackson State. See if they can uh, make that interesting. At number seven, they fall a spot. At number seven, Bethune-Cookman Marching Wildcats, 2-1, 0-1. Um, they get into a narrow loss as they tried to stay undefeated, not to be done in terms of the Florida Classic. As fam, you got it. I heard that one was actually pretty darn close, but they fall two spots. Number six, one of the biggest moves of the week is Alabama State moving up three spots. They got a fortunate matchup as Texas Southern made the road trip, so created a matchup. Texas Southern showed out. Alabama State has had two close losses. One to FAMU in terms of they got a little uh, representation on the road. They went to Jackson State, had a very close contest. They had another close contest, but this one, they get the nod. They get it done against the Texas Southern Ocean of Souls. So they're four and two, uh, one and three in terms of getting that matchup. So they move up three spots. Bringing us to the top five. When you get in the top five, Kentucky State, mighty marching thoroughbreds because of the Bethune-Cookman loss. They jump up as they are undefeated. They jump into the top five, one spot up for number six. Brings number four, Northwest State Spartan, March, the Legion Marching Band, 4-1, 2-0, 69 points. They get it done as they got a big win uh, a couple of weeks ago. Number three, Jackson State, Sonic Boom on the south, 6-2, and 4-2. and two. Uh, They do get the win, but they stay at the three spot. At number two, Florida A&M, the marching, 105-1-3-1, three first place votes, 84 points. It'll be interesting to Jackson State because they have made it to the championship game. They get the benefit that they're going to get an extra game matchup. Does that allow them to jump FAMU or even find a way to get to the Southern, although they had that head-to-head loss? Southern Jaguars do have the benefit of the Bayesic. This weekend, they're 705 first place votes, 90 points to get it done. Let me go to Professor Washington first, and then we'll let – Charles give us things in terms of matchup. Oh, it looks like Doc. Doc. What happened to this poll? What, what, what you do with the who, who, the, who voted in this poll? And what were they drinking? Because I wanna I wanna sip some of what they were drinking. First of all, I first of all, I, I really want to sip what they were drinking. So first of all, I agree. I think Dwight Moore had a comment about Bethune. Bethune did I I checked some of that out. I'm not a band aficionado. I'm not an expert, but it was quite obvious that Bethune was not Bethune against FAMU. Second of all, Prairie View got a standing ovation at Texas A&M, and you got them at number eight. Number eight. Now hold and, on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. And uh, they got a standing ovation in front of other folks. Yes. On, and then all you right. had hold on, right. and you you had an article. From uh, what was it? Uh, the undefeated, 
ranking Memorial Florida Memorial and Prairie View as the number one top bands. Now you can weigh that as, as you will, but you have another source touting Prairie View as a top band, and you got them at the bottom five. What is wrong <laughs> with this poll? What is wrong? <laughs> Something's wrong here. I don't think Bethune should be where they are. <laughs> they got they were clearly outmatched, outgunned. I, <laughs> So that, I think we need some rework and redesign on this poll. How about your turn, Professor Bishop? I will say the surprise of the poll all season has been the Alcorn Sounds of Dynamite. Uh, they went and held their own tough uh, down there at Southern uh, against the Human Jukebox. Same thing happened this weekend. And a lot of times I, I'm listening to these real serious band heads you know, give their opinions week in, week out. And uh, they, they have held up for the Alcorn Sounds of Dynamite all year in terms of their arrangements and their sound and things of that nature. But you know what, Mike? I'm, I'm willing to go with you on, with, with the Marching Storm. But now everybody gets an opportunity to see the storm come That's out right. of Prairie View and what they can do this weekend, or next weekend, I should say, in front of a national audience. So everybody. It's an opportunity to see what the Marching Storm was about. We've been deprived of consistently watching the Marching Storm. That's right. We've been deprived. We're about to see it. Now, I will give hats off to Norfolk State. They, I think they were up there. They they have, for the size bound and for their musicianship, they're pretty good. I'll go with you on Alcorn. The rest of this, I don't know what y'all drinking when y'all voting this bowl. Man. That must be over Brotherhood Smoke or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh- uh, I'm tired. I'm not going with y'all. We're going to move on. That's enough of it. We're going to go into the number two seed, Bowie State Bulldogs, at home again. This time they first Newberry Wolves, 10 and 271 at the Bowie State Bulldogs that improved to 11 and 1, 11 straight victories, 7 0, as you know it, as they did in the conference race. Sticking with you, Charles Bishop, what are the Bulldogs' chances against Wolves moving on to the third round? Uh, you know what? I, I really like uh, uh, Boise to move forward in this game. Obviously, that was a huge upset with uh, Newberry uh, taking out West Florida. But I just love the way the playmakers for Boise State seem to step up week in, week out. We know Jerome Johnson is going to be making plays on the offensive side of the ball. He is one of the most dangerous uh, dual combo uh, 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 athletes, I believe, in, in Division Two. Uh, when you talk about he's able to get it done, throwing as well as running. And then Boise State, they play tough tough defense, so I love them moving forward. Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of the Bulldogs? Can they get it done nope. against the Wolves? No, I, I, I actually, I, I like their chances as well. Like Jerome Johnson uh, is playing top, uh, playing at a high level, so, and their defense is, is really well there. You know, what are they, 11 and 1? So they remember that one loss again that they had at the beginning of the season? They haven't lost since then. They've been top notch. They've been, you know, lights out on both sides of the ball, and I like their chances going into this this next round of the playoffs. I want to do a little shout out as before we get into the mid major with Tuskegee going up against the major division four Alabama State for the Turkey Day Classic. Um, I do want to get into a little bit of round ball. Chris Paul. Inaugural tip-off championship game featured CIAA matchup, Virginia Union Panthers against Winston-Salem Rams. Panthers get it done and take home the ship in the inaugural. You did have Morehouse out of the CIAA against West Virginia. West Virginia 
uh, got the consolation game as they defeat Morehouse. Uh, give them some love there. I also want to give a shout out to Norfolk State in terms of basketball. They started off the season undefeated. I think they had their first loss. They've won four games, three Division One games, so they're getting it done in a lot of ways. We'll get a little more of that basketball. Also, shout out to the SWAC in between Alabama AM defeating Tennessee State uh, early mm. on up the update the season. And then you had a match that I watched with Alabama State go to overtime and get it done against North Carolina Central Eagles. Coach Mouton, you know, anytime you can beat the Eagles. Big win. Um, yeah, Coach Wu-Tang, big win. It was at home for Alabama State, so I do want to put that out there. This Saturday, we've got a couple of key matchups with Tennessee State and Southern uh, that I'm interested in. Then you have Hamlin against that Norfolk State I talked about. So I'll be watching that quietly on Sunday after I catch all my HBCU football games that Saturday and obviously one on uh, Sunday there. Talking about that, before we go to this last break, uh, want to get into Montgomery. On Thursday, Alabama State, you got Tuskegee at Alabama State. Let's get into this break, and we'll come back with that matchup. The Golden Tigers, 3-7, and 2-4 and four at Alabama State, 4-6, and 3-5. Both teams obviously losing records, but a lot of pride is on the line for this matchup. So it'll be interesting to see your thoughts on that. Let's get into this break. We'll be right back after this last break as we get into the fourth quarter. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yessa and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBCU Sports Lab. I told you a little bit that we wanted to run down there. Um, let's get into this and get your thoughts. Charles Bishop, Tuskegee at Alabama State. What are your thoughts in terms of this matchup? Uh, big win, I think, this past week for Alabama State that I think went under the radar. A nice win over Texas Southern. Texas Southern has been playing uh, very improved football, but I noticed that win with Alabama State, and they finally got that running game up and going against Texas Southern. Ja'Cory Merritt and Ezra Gray had a pretty big game, so I, I look forward to them to carry over that same momentum into this tough, tough matchup against Tuskegee. Both have had disappointing years, but I like the uh, Hornets. 
Mike? Yeah, I look for Ezra Gray to, to come out. He's he, he came out in this last game. I look for him to have a big game against Tuskegee. Um, they have a good defense, but I think over the course of four quarters, I think that running attack for, for Alabama State will just overwhelm Tuskegee. And I, I look for Alabama State to come out with a solid win on Turkey Day. Let me stick with you, Mike, in terms of the Bayou Clash. The Grambling State Tigers, 3-7, 4-5. Southern Jaguars four and six, three and four. Oddly enough, this is a battle between two interim coaches. What do you think about yep. this matchup? Uh, I, I, you 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 wish it had the luster that it had of the past, but I think there's still bragging rights here. I look for Southern to come out on top. Uh, believe it or not, even though Gremlin has shown some signs of life in the last you know few games at times, I look for Southern to come out here on top in the Gremlin in the. Uh, and the classic. So uh, I'll be interesting also to see the battle of the bands. I'll throw that one in there as well. Cause uh, you know, Grandland's kind of lost some footage from my perspective in their, in their band performance. I'm not a band aficionado again, but I'll see that, but I look for Southern to come out on top. They played at where at times solid on both sides of the ball. They had a win against Alcorn state. So, uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Not, not a band aficionado, but you do well with the wines. Let me go to the golf aficionado, Charles Bishop, in terms of that. Uh, and maybe you'll be not as nice as Charles in terms of the matchup. Uh, what do you think about Grand State Tigers and Southern Jaguars? Are you going to take the nice role, Ken? Southern Jaguars at least get the 500 in conference play? I think, I think Southern gets 500 in conference play. I, I do like uh, – I still like their running game. But I tell you what, Terrence Graves is going to have his Grand Tigers uh, football team ready to go. Uh, watching for a long, long time in this conference. I mean, he's a, a tremendous personality. Uh, I know he'll have, a, beyond it being a rivalry game, he'll have these uh, Grambling Tigers ready to go in this game. But at the end of the day, I just think Southern's running game is still a little bit too strong. And uh, they have some guys back from injury on the defensive side of the ball. I think it'll make it a tough day uh, for Grambling. Let me stick with it in terms of the swag matchup. Valley travels to Prairie View. Valley's three and seven, two and five in conference race. Uh, plays really well, tough, outshine a lot of folks at home, but not quite the same on the road. You got number four, Previa and Panthers, 73-6-1. Uh, getting prepared for the following week with the championship matchup. Charles, what do you think in terms of this game? The uh, pressure is not quite the same as it could have been. Yeah. Uh, all for one head defeated Jackson State. Yeah, I think the question, uh, I think I asked Coach Dula this, you know, how do you prepare, uh, put a game plan together for Mississippi Valley and look ahead uh, toward playing in the SWAT championship game? I think the question for me is, you know, how much do we see the Prairie starters in this game? I, I know Coach Dula likes to spot the ball, but I want to make sure that I'm uh, healthy going into the SWAT championship game. So I, I still like Prairie View at home, but uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what he does with uh, a lot of players' uh, time, a lot of starters' time out. Yeah, especially for those that may have a couple of Knicks. Mike, what are your yeah. thoughts in terms of this matchup? I have the same question. They're coming off a, a game where some of their folks got, got beat up against Texas A&M. Um, you know, you're looking ahead to the championship game. You wonder, you know, how long is he going to keep the starters in? At the same point, does he take this time to kind of, you know, knock some of the kinks out of the offense? If you if if you look at some of their, their previous wins, their most recent game, uh, wins, They've started out a little bit slow and had to play catch up in the second half. So does he take that opportunity, at least in the first half, to knock out some of the kinks in the offense, try some new wrinkles, and then pull the starters out? You know, it'll be interesting to see what that perspective is. I think at the end of the day, 
Um, Valley will, will play well, but they don't play as well as they do in, in Abena. So, well, uh, at, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, what would you say is the last game that Prairie Beach looked like Prairie Beach? Woo. Um, I'd have to go back to Southern. Hmm. Interesting. Southern. They they were strong, and that was on the road. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dominant. So, Yeah, um, talk particularly for a full game. When you say that, let me get in this last matchup real quick. Uh, the playoff game for FAMU, number two, uh, HBCU at Southeastern Louisiana, eight and three, six and two. FAMU comes in nine and two, seven and one. Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of this matchup? I'm sorry, you uh, your thing froze. I'm sorry, <laughs> the uh, sound. Yeah, I'm just fine. saying the FAMU matchup in Southeastern. I know you kind of talked about it. Any last key things that you want to talk about in this matchup? Yeah, uh, sorry about that. I missed that. Fam, I, I look for FAMU's defense, which again has exponentially continued to improve. I look for them to take on a stronger hold. They're play. They, they're playing a really top offense. They're. I think that offense is number two, three in the Southland Conference. So they're playing, but I look for FAMU to bring a strong offensive front um, and look for them to get a couple of key stops. I don't know how it'll shake out. I, offensively, hasn't you know they haven't developed as fast as to me as the defense. I look for I look for a couple of key plays on special teams as well. I look for them to be very competitive. Don't I won't say what the out, outcome of the score is, but I look for FAMU to be very competitive. Charles, what are your thoughts? Uh, this game is going to come down to time of possession. Can Florida A&M keep Southeast's offense off the field? Cole Kelly is one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. He's thrown for over 4,300 yards. But this comes down to Bishop Bynum. comes down to Terrell Jennings, Jalen McLeod, all three of those guys in terms of being able to run the football. And uh, can uh, Florida A&M's offensive line, can they can – they, uh, repeat the same performance that they had against Bethune Cookman. They cleared away for 276 yards in that game. So this is about uh, Florida AM playing a little bit of keep away and letting that defense uh, do what they do in terms of teeing off on the passing quarterbacks. Isaiah yeah. Land uh, getting that uh, push off the edge. And then Florida AM, what's gone underrated is the push they get up the middle too. Uh, they do a tremendous job of pushing the pocket uh, right from um, in the middle of the line. So it'll be very interesting to see can Florida AM get to Cole Kelly and make some plays. And then I think from a special team standpoint, I like the guy. Uh, he's been an X factor all season for him. Uh, uh, Jamari Sharif, if I'm saying his name correctly, but um, that young man has been a, a nice X factor for uh, Florida A&M all season. Yep. It, they, I definitely think they'll have to win through their defense. It'll be the key in, in some way, form or fashion. Big points there. Talking about defense, I did want to say uh, 25 players, for our name finalists to the Buck McKinnon Awards, five, four of them are HBCU players, including two for FAMU, safety Marquise Bale, linebacker Isaiah Land. You have one from Jackson State, linebacker James Houston has been dynamite all year long, and South Carolina State defensive back Kobe Durant. Interesting that um, all four of these players are playing on teams that have, are in postseason play, if you would allow it. Then also want to give a shout-out to Coach Prime, as well as Coach Pugh for South Carolina State as they are finalists for the Eddie Robinson Award. So I wanted to get that, that out there. Thank you for listening to Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Let me go back and say that that information was courtesy of HBCU Game Day. 
I am Dr. Kenyatta Ville, Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab, College HBCU Sports with Mike Watch and Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Ville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watch and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock. Again, check out as we go back and take you back in time, beginning of the season, as we talk about what we thought the season would be. Check that out if you get some time and need a little break, uh, as we will take a break with you on Thanksgiving. We look forward to next week. As we discuss the latest news in the lab, starting with Sunday at 9, we'll talk about uh, all things that happened Saturday and give you a sneak preview as we get into the Slack Championship game. Follow me, Dr. Neonicaville, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That is Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Mike? Lecture. Dismiss. Have a good one.